am I ready? Live from the basement of Voodoo Sound, it's time to get your mojo working. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Take the next 40 odd minutes to get your hands on some tips and tools that will get you working at your best in both your business and your personal life. Hi everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Another week, another great guest on the line. Uh, If you're new to the show, uh, let me tell you a little bit about what we do here. We, and I mean Robbo and I, like to uh, find people that we think are interesting who have their mojo working and can give us tips or tools to help us get our mojo working in and out of the workplace. If you're a regular mojoite and you've been with us for our journey, welcome back. Great to have you back and thank you for choosing to spend your time with our little show. Before we get underway, uh, Robbo, welcome back, buddy. How's things today? Mate, not too bad. Today. Had a good good week? Uh, been a busy week. Busy week? What have you been doing? I, um, I spent last weekend mixing just nothing major, just two two-hour TV programs in 48 hours, you know, nothing big. That sounds big. (laughs) No, it was a lot of fun, actually. Shout out to my mates at Foxtel. Yeah, it went good. It was, um, you probably saw it, one of them. It was the the Actor Awards that were on last week. The, uh, the the Channel 10 network covered that and um, mm. were supplying the program to Foxtel, but when the head honchos at Foxtel saw the uh, the edits and stuff that Channel 10 had made, the, the powers that be weren't too happy and decided that with the 24-hour turnaround, they were going to recut the whole program. So um, so I got the call. A shout-out to uh, Kate Blanchett. Yes. Hey, yes, Kate. indeed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, then, and then 24 hours later, I was... Um, I was mixing live down the line from um, from LA for the uh, the actor G'day USA Awards, which oh, is right. sort of the international version of that. Lots of activity at uh, the Voodoo Studios. It's been busy, to say yeah. the least. How about you? So we like it. Yes, they were very happy. I got a very nice email on Monday from um, Colin McGlynn, the head of post production over there. So um, I'll frame that one and put it on the wall. Beauty. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How about you? Yeah, good week this week. Back on the speaking circuit. So uh, things have started up again, back in front of an audience, back on stage. So you can speak. Yeah, funny that. Wow. You you wouldn't know that from the show, would you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, we can infer, Uh, maybe. (laughs) I'm I'm a mime. Yes. Um, (laughs) uh, You've been looking at people's we, I hear. I have, and... um, I, I just it's an interesting article to start the show mm. and the reason that I like this article is mm. that it comes with a color chart <laughs> so if you imagine your color palette from your local inspirations uh, mm. paint shop mm-hmm. it has a color chart and then next to it it has a description of if you are weighing this color what you should think there's a couple of interesting points I won't labor on this mm. but I just think this is critically important because if our health is not working, mm. then our mojo generally mm. is not working. One and follows the other. I didn't know that you could be drinking too much water. Wow, okay. Yeah, if your wee has got no colour and it's transparent, you mm. could be drinking too much water, you may want to cut back because that can lead to other issues. However, if your wee is pale straw coloured, a transparent yellow or a dark yellow, yeah. then that is green for go, so to speak. You are um, in the right ballpark. Dark yellow? Really? Yeah. However. So my Sunday morning whiz isn't so bad after all. However, <laughs> if it goes into amber or honey, and I mm. will put the full chart 
on the show notes so you can print it off and hold it to, you can hold it to the <laughs> bowl. Uh, it means you may not be getting enough water and you could be dehydrated. Now, mm. if it goes to a brown ale mm. or a very dark brown colour, mm. uh, that could be bad because it means you have severe dehydration and that could lead to liver disease. Wow, okay. Now, if it's pink mm. or reddish, <laughs> that can't be good. orange, <laughs> I get this, even blue or green. Blue? Then, yeah, man, that, it, that, that could be an issue. So, I think I'd be uh, racing to the doctor if it was blue. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that, that's signs of like kidney disease, tumours, urinary tract infections, prostate problems and so on. But yeah. things like this, I mean, if it's red, orange, green, but it's even purple, <laughs> There's even a purple, and those sorts of colours generally are, are alarm bells. And if there's anybody, think so. yeah, with a, with a tinge of those colours, you do want to do something about it. Yeah. But the um, the other one, which um, seems uh, interesting, yeah. is that you can have a wee that foams or is is, is fizzy. <laughs> I think Coke uh, bottle that, don't they? Yeah, and uh, no, if, the fo- if the foaming keeps happening, you need to see a doctor. So um, now, quick caveat with this, guys, before we get into the show, uh, there can be outside influences. So obviously, if you have had some sort of supplements that can change yeah. it. So you do want to get a thing, uh, you know, a place where you're on your normal diet. Mm. Um, but the other thing is that if you do have queries, you are better off going to your doctor and doing a proper urinary test because even sometimes you know signs of blood which can be very um you know real concern mm-hmm. aren't visible to the eye but the doctor can pick it up in the proper test so when yeah. you're going in for your checkup and we suggest every year you have your full blood panel um and a urinary test um so that's um so i'll put this chart up i think there's some interesting things in there but i didn't know you could drink too much and i wasn't exactly sure what i should be looking for to know that i'm on track so mm. um, there it's you interesting go. that you can drink too much i wouldn't have thought that either um now one quick other thing mm. and this is just some anecdotal evidence mm. some shows back we spoke about the value of cherries do you remember that i do i do and i'm still adieu. eating the cherry ripes adieu adieu um <laughs> Well, I spoke to a guy on the weekend who is a regular Mojo White, and he's been with us for the whole journey. He oh, had such sore shins and inflammation around his shins from broken leg a number of years ago, he could not touch it with his hands. Right. Got onto the cherries. He yeah. has a smoothie every morning. He has six cherries mm. every morning in his smoothie. Mm. And he said within weeks, he felt it in his shins. And sitting in front of me in the weekend having a brew, he was slapping his shin with his hand and saying, mate, I've got absolutely no pain all down to the cherries. Wow. Dark cherries, bought the frozen ones you buy from the uh, supermarket. It's the cheapest, the most effective way. Mm. Snap freezing is very good. Even the the most you know strict biohackers will say that strict mm. frozen fruit is very good for your smoothies and mm. to have with some ice cream and stuff. So there you go, mate. I thought that was a great feedback from one of our great listeners. Keep the and, dial uh, here, folks, for all your health needs. How's your cherry ripe test going? Any uh, inflammation <laughs> drops? Or? There's some inflammation around my waist <laughs> that I've noticed. Um, <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah, I'm not yeah. really noticing much else from that. Just stick with that, buddy. Yeah, I will. I'll go with it. We should also go with uh, this week's program, I think. Get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Okay, well, let's um, let's get into it, Robbo. I, I'm i going to say I'm super interested in today's topic because mm. it's all about happiness. Mm. And 
You hear it talked about a lot. And when you talk to people about their dreams, a lot of people, the basis of everything they want, do, have, desire is all about why, 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 what's down to I just want to be happy. And I thought, well, it's such an interesting term. We should go to an expert. Mm. So on the line, I've got... Dr. Tim Sharp, and he is the head honcho at the Happiness Institute. Yeah. And I've been following, I've known Tim for a number of years and followed his work. He does the most brilliant work. And jumping into the new year, I thought, let's uh, let's deep dive into happiness mm. and set ourselves up for a great 2015. So, um, Dr. Tim Sharp, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Thanks very much uh, for having me, and thanks for those very kind words, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Came from the heart, mate. Yeah. Tim, can you just um, give us a quick summary of um, the work that you do at the Happiness Institute? Sure. Um, the simplest way to understand the Happiness Institute is to, is to know that it's a, a positive psychology practice. So um, we offer a range of services, uh, all designed to promote the principles of positive psychology, which is a technical name, I suppose, for the science of happiness. Um, mm. And that's uh, it's really about helping people to thrive and flourish, uh, to be uh, successful uh, in, in their personal lives. So we, uh, we offer a range of services. Services um, uh, through one-on-one coaching, through small group programs. We uh, a lot of the work we do is consulting to organisations uh, and even schools. Um, and then we have a range of online products and um, uh, books as well. So really, the, the the ultimate focus of everything we do is to make as many people as possible happy. Yes, I love the simplicity of that. And um, Tim, typically, um, who who comes to you? Like, what sort of people are using your Resources. Yeah, well, look, it's really quite broad, um, and the work we do is quite broad because, um, you know, it's interesting, but we found the principles apply to pretty much everyone anywhere. But uh, mm. so, we, we again, we see individuals, and those individuals are all ages um, uh, and of all backgrounds and all professions and, and non-professions. Uh, we see couples and families, um, and then, as I said uh, earlier, I think a lot of the work we do is um, with teams and, and groups within workplaces. So um, pretty much... Um, uh, Anyone, well, anyone that wants to be happier can benefit from our mm. services. If they don't necessarily want to be happier, uh, we might not be the best place for them. <laughs> <laughs> and what's what's science? Showing us about happiness. What 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 are we discovering about happiness, Tim? Yeah. Well, well, the first one is actually to point out that this is a science, and I, I'd like to think this is what differentiates the work we do here at the Happiness Institute from, you know, some other services and organisations that are out there. So, uh, my background is a clinical psychologist. Uh, I've spent many years as an academic, and everything we do here is is based on um, what's been proven to work. It's not just something I kind of dreamt up in the pub the other night. Although I did have a few good ideas in the pub the other night, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know. There's evidence, a lot of it, a lot of evidence, um, and you know, particularly in the last 15 to 20 years, particularly in the last 15 years, there's a very, very strong body of science behind all of this, which is really exciting. Because what, uh, to answer your question, what what we're finding is one, uh, we know what happiness is, although uh, the caveat to that is it means different things to different people. But we do know the general principles. We know what contributes to happiness, and just as if not more importantly, we know that people. Can can enjoy or can create more happiness. And that's really, really important because for some people, this will just come naturally. I'm sure there's some of your uh, listeners out there for whom happiness is just, uh, uh, it's just kind of easy. They wake up every morning mm. and it's just something that happens. And that's fantastic. Um, there's a variety of reasons why it might be easy for some people. But for those of us 
for whom it doesn't come easy or for those people for whom it's a little bit more of a struggle, the good news is um, that in some ways we can view it as the end result of a set of skills. And just like any other skills, the more you practice them, the better you get. The better you get, the more benefits you gain. So if you practice the right sorts of things in the right sorts of ways, you can enjoy a much better life. It's interesting, Robbo, that a lot of happiness can come from the pub. So that's interesting. Well, that's where all happiness bleeds from, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put that on the show notes. Um, you can quote me on that. <laughs> take that to the bank. Tim, if it doesn't come natural to me and we take that piece of content you just laid on us, what's a couple of key steps that someone could start to do immediately to move towards the science of happiness? Yeah, well, the first point is actually, and this might sound blatantly obvious, but it's a very, very important first step that too many people um, ignore or or overlook or gloss over. And that's um, uh, determining really and in, in specific detail what would happiness what would a fantastic life really look like for me or, or for you um, and again that might sound obvious but again it, it, it means so many thing, different things to mm. so many different people that until we can answer that question uh, we don't know what to do to, to get there because it, it will be different for you and me and it'll be different for Robbo and it'll be different for every other listener out there um, so until we're crystal clear or, or close to crystal clear about what happiness really means, what it would look like, um, then it's impossible to determine what steps we need to take to get there. So, um, you know, I often, I, I ask this question um, a lot when I, I spend a lot of my time speaking uh, at conferences and organizations and I uh, frequently ask something along the lines of um, how many of you, uh, even if you're happy, how many of you would like to be happier? And, um, you know, not that surprisingly, 99.9% of the people put up their hands. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to have more of such a wonderful thing as happiness? But, uh, but what I then do is ask a second question, which is um, uh, how many of you have a happiness plan? And very, very few people then, you know, maybe about 10% of the people actually put up their hand, which is you know, very interesting because we know that in other areas of our life, if we want to achieve something, we've got a plan for it. And many people would have, say, a financial plan. They might have a business plan. They might have an eating plan slash diet. Um, but, but when it comes to happiness, a lot of people think, oh, I've just got to sort of sit back and wait for it. Well, I spend a lot of my time telling people, no, don't sit back and wait for it. Go out there and create it. But again, to, to really create real and meaningful happiness, genuine, authentic happiness, we need to know what it is we're creating. So really, that's, that's the first step, is to, to actually set aside some time to, to yeah. sit back and think about um, you know, what would my best possible life look like? And, and there's a couple of strategies and activities that we use in our coaching that can help people. Um, but, you know, I guess at the risk of oversimplifying it, one thing might be to actually stop and, you know, imagine yourself in something like three years or five years living your best possible life and then describing something like your best possible day. You know, what would a perfect day look like for you? Uh, and going into that in as much detail as possible. And then what we can do is work backwards and say, okay, that's what you, that's what you want to get to, or just like we would do with any other sort of goal setting. Um, what do we need to do in between now and then to move you closer towards that? Um, but that, that first def- definitional phase is vitally important. And, and then, um, I think you touched on this in the question, but I'll pause to give you another chance. <laughs> but then there's a bunch of strategies and skills that we can teach people that will increase their chances of, um, of enjoying that happy life. How important is it, Tim, to be 
I want to use the word realistic, but it's probably not the right word. You might have a better one. How important is it to be realistic as to where we can be? I mean, I could sit here and envisage myself as a billionaire sitting on my yacht off the coast of France, but that's not particularly realistic. So in three years' time when I'm not there, does that take my happiness away? I guess there's two questions in there. Yeah, a really, really important question and one that as a, as a psychologist and coach, I'm constantly uh, talking to clients about and working with them. It's Because it is like a, a balancing act. And, and there are a number of things um, that we need to keep in mind uh, during this process. And clearly that... Um, uh, you know that answer I gave just a few minutes ago was a very simplified and mm. uh, abbreviated version mm. of what mm. we would do within a coaching session. But uh, you know, one of the first things that I uh, make clear or, or, or discuss with clients, and, and even in my speaking, I, I almost always, you know, nine out of ten times, I will touch on this in some way or other. Uh, one thing that's very, very important to keep in mind is that none of us will be happy every minute of every day. Mm. Uh, and when I sort of get people to imagine their perfect life, we do need to recognise that life is not perfect. Mm. Um, I'm not perfect. Life's not perfect, other people aren't perfect. So there will be all sorts of um, quote-unquote negatives or there will be challenges and adversity and that's um, in some ways that can actually make life beautiful um, mm. but that's a whole that's another <laughs> another issue. Yes. So, mm. you know, yes, it is a constant balancing act between uh, uh, what we might call stretch goals or, or, or mm. aiming for something that's ambitious, mm. but also, um, you know, not losing sight of reality. And um, uh, that is, you know, that's a tricky balancing act. And I, I think what uh, I, I just finished with one point, but uh, certainly what I have found in having worked with well, thousands of clients over the years is that uh, I think too many of us do err too much on the side of reality and sell ourselves too short. So although I don't uh, ever promote or advocate being totally unrealistic because that you know that can just set us up for failure and then we just get disappointed and frustrated what I do spend a lot of my time doing what I do think is important as part of my job is nudging people gently a little bit further than they than they otherwise would because um, as I'm sure many of your listeners know you know success and happiness often comes you know just on that other side of our comfort zone and um, so that does mean pushing ourselves a bit it does mean challenging ourselves a bit it might actually mean uh, failing uh, in some ways but that's uh, that's not entirely it's not always entirely a bad thing because we can learn from that we can get better and stronger from that so but yeah to come back to your question really Really, really important point. It is a constant balancing act um, between being realistic, but also, uh, you know, aiming high and being ambitious and, and and trying to achieve something that really will be magnificent. So dare to dream a little. Definitely. Yeah. It'd be fair to say that most people are striving to be happy as, as an end result. Do we ever get to a point where we feel happy, and how do we know? Well. <laughs> I think it's funny. I, get, I actually get asked that question a lot. Um, um, and I think there's, there's a relatively simple answer and then a relatively complicated answer. <laughs> the, the simple answer is I think most of us do know. If, we, if, we just, if, if anyone's listening now um, and if they just pause and ask themselves, am I happy now? Uh, most people can answer that question as a yes, no, a little bit, a lot, whatever it might be. Mm. But the more complicated answer is that that's only touching on one small part of happiness. So what that's, what's the, the answer to that question is a reflection of uh, the momentary emotions that we experience from time to time. Mm. Um, and uh, we, we, we all do experience emotions from time to time, but, but, but those emotions fluctuate literally from minute to minute. Um, so uh, positive emotions, that's the sort of the technical term for what I've just described, positive emotions are an important part 
of what I would call happiness, but only one part. And this is where we get into the complexities. Because if we're really looking at the bigger picture, uh, the question that psychologists will often ask is more along the lines of, not necessarily, are you happy now? But taking everything into account, how satisfied are you with your life overall? And that's quite a different question. It touches upon elements of your emotions, how you're feeling right now, but what it also does is bring in many of the other uh, more complex dimensions of thriving and flourishing, which is things like not just how you're feeling now, but do you have meaning and purpose in your life? Uh, are you physically healthy? Um, uh, do you have good quality relationships? Do you, you know, do you feel connected and as though you belong? Um, uh, are, you gratit- are you grateful for, for the good things in your life? That there's a whole lot of other layers that will go uh, contribute towards the answer to that bigger question. And, and again, that's um, uh, it is more complex, and it's also something that that most people don't give as much thought to, but. Yeah. I would invite them to think more about some of those bigger, uh, higher-level constructs. Mm. And Tim, that would feed back into the happiness plan, would it? Would that be part of the plan you talked about? Very much so. And this is... um, Uh, you know, this is where it does get interesting because the happiness plan, interestingly enough, isn't necessarily something that makes us feel good every minute of every day. Mm. Um, because if you think about it, I, I'm sure all of your listeners uh, at some stage in their lives have worked towards a large, meaningful goal. Um, so that might be, uh, you know, it might be a university degree, it might be writing a book, it might be finishing a, a large project for their work or whatever it might be. Um, and, and what I'm talking about here are the things that take, you know, not just hours, but but weeks and weeks, or often months and months, maybe even years and years. So, you know, I often refer to what I think is one of my um, biggest uh, professional achievements, which was completing a PhD. Mm. Now, any, but it doesn't really matter what it is, but anyone out there that's achieved a significant, meaningful goal will know at least two things. One, they'll know how good it is, that sense of pride and accomplishment. They'll know how good it feels when you complete that goal. But what they would also know is that it wasn't all fun and joy and laughter along the way. In fact, more often than not, there's blood, sweat and tears. Uh, But it's worth it Um, because, for whatever reason, that was meaningful for that particular person. So when we're thinking about that bigger picture, when I talk about a happiness plan, I'm, I'm thinking you know, long-term or at least medium to long-term. And again, that won't necessarily mean joy and laughter and smiling and, and positive emotion every minute of every day because uh, yeah. you know, sometimes we've got to do the tough yards. We've got to work hard. But, but in that context, um, ultimately, uh, you know, that's a good thing. So working with these clients that you're working with, Tim, what, what's, what's one thing that you have discovered in, in, in recent times has changed your own thinking about this area of happiness? I don't know if there's anything that's necessarily um, significantly changed my perception over the years, but one thing that has, one thing that I've noticed working particularly with that group of people, and I think probably quite a few of your, your audience, um, mm. some people might have heard of actually, but it's called imposter syndrome. And that's um, the belief that many, many people walk around with, even those people that are uh, quote unquote highly successful. And again, by definition, most of the people that I see are, are, are successful, at least ostensibly. But they walk around with this fear almost every day that uh, one day I'm going to get caught out. Mm. And tomorrow they're going to find out what a nincompoop I am and how incompetent I am and that I shouldn't really be here. And it, it does surprise me still after all these years how many people have that belief. And I think it's not even just 
successful people. I mean, so many of us doubt ourselves. So many of us um, question our competencies. Um, and that's a pity because so many of us could be so fantastic if we didn't do that. So many more people could be more successful and happier if they focused more on their strengths rather than their weaknesses. And, you know, that, so that is one of the interesting things. And I suppose maybe at a I think this comes back to your question as well. At a personal level, again, there's research that's been there for a long time, but I've certainly personally learned that the extent to which I'm physically fit relates very closely to the extent to which I'm psychologically fit. So exercise is a potent antidepressant, a powerful stress buster, a major mood lifter. Uh, It benefits your your thinking capabilities, your cognitive capacities, et cetera, et cetera. So um, historically, there's been this mind-body separation, which is... Pretty absurd, really. Um, but you know, there's still a lot of people out there who kind of separate, and maybe unconsciously, but kind of separate the physical and psychological realms, and and that's um, it's a bit absurd, I think. If we take a a, a a CEO or a businessman, we take an entrepreneur or someone who's striving to be their best in in the workplace. So one of your clients, or that you can you can visualise. They're focusing on the positives and what they're good at as opposed to what they're not good at. They've, they've refused to buy into this imposter syndrome, which I, I can completely understand. They're exercising in order to, be, to feel better and to be better. What other attributes would you say that person would have? So somebody you say has gone through your program, has come out the other side and gone, you're, you're in the lane, you're in the zone, you're doing great, they're feeling terrific, changed their world around, Taking consideration those couple of tips you've given us, which I think are wonderful, is there anything else, Tim, you'd say are attributes of that happy person? Um, well, yes and no. Um, so the first thing I'd say is that, that certainly my approach or our approach here at the Happiness Institute is uh, that you can have a great life um, with whatever attributes you naturally have. So this is what we do. It's not necessarily about changing you so you can become a different, better person. It's about building on who you really are so you can become the best person that you really are. So that's the first point I make, and this is, again, uh, inherent within the positive psychology approach. It's about identifying your core strengths, who and what really comes naturally and and authentically to you, and then how can we make the most of it. So happy people uh, are all different, um, but they're happy in their own way. Similarly with successful people. I mean, if you look at it's the same sort of thing I find when I, when I talk a lot about leadership, for example, there's, there's no one perfect way to be the best leader. Um, you and I might both be brilliant leaders, say, but we probably do it differently. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. And that's important. That's so the same with happiness. We can all enjoy happiness and a great life in our own way. Um, but, but keeping that, putting that aside or taking that into account, um, to go back to your question, yes, there are a, a couple of other things. And one thing that we haven't mentioned, which is vitally, vitally important, arguably, um, according to the research and the experts, the most important thing, and that's that um, a significant degree of happiness and success is not necessarily just due to me. It's due to the people with whom I interact and the people that I surround myself with. So good quality relationships, connectedness, uh, belonging to the right sort of community in a sense is very, very important. And again, arguably the most important thing. So when we look at the happiest people in the world, they're not selfish, they're not narcissistic. It's not just all about me, me, me. Uh, quite the opposite. They have both more and better quality relationships. Um, they actually, they're more generous, they're more altruistic, they give more and care more about 
other people. Um, and uh, you know, this is a bit of a, particularly in the business world, is a, a bit of a myth, I think, that to be successful, you've got to be single-minded and, and a bit selfish. Yeah. Uh, the research actually doesn't support that. Um, the research suggests, again, that the happiest, most successful people uh, are more considerate um, and they, uh, you know, they spend more time um, doing good for and to other people. And um, I think that's, um, you know, that's something we could all uh, probably attend to a bit more often. Um, Tim, if there's someone listening to this program right now and they want to bring happiness to their own personal world, if you were them, what's the one thing you would do immediately to help them bring happiness to their world? <laughs> okay. Give I, us the golden bullet, mate. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get asked that so often. But what's the one thing? Uh, well, I'm laughing because uh, again, it, it's sort of become a bit of a joke in the in the happiness industry. We, you know, we're often called up by people by journalists like, "What's the one thing?" But I'll give a serious answer. The serious answer is there isn't necessarily one thing, as we've touched upon um, over the last half hour or so. There's multiple things, and even if there were one thing for me, it would possibly be a different thing for you. Uh, that being said, um, if I, there is one thing that we haven't touched on now. So in addition to all the other things, there is one thing that we haven't touched upon. And, uh, and I'll, I'll highlight this because you know, it is a relatively simple thing that we can do. It's a very quick thing to do, uh, but it's incredibly powerful. And that's the practice of appreciation and gratitude. Um, mm. What we know without a doubt is that happy people focus more on what they have and less on what they don't have. Uh, they're more appreciative, they're more grateful, they're more thankful for the good things, um, and they worry a little bit less about the bad things. Now that doesn't mean they, uh, it doesn't mean they, you know, they, they sort of take a, a rose-colored glass of Pollyanna approach and pretend that everything's fantastic. Um, it's not, you know, life's not perfect, the world's not perfect, and they, you know, they deal with those sorts of things. And they they address those problems, and they um, you know look for solutions, and they fix what they can fix. But uh, they spend a significant amount of their time on a regular basis. Most of the people, you know, most of the really happy, successful people I've spoken to and worked with, um, will do this literally on a daily basis. Mm. Spend at least a couple of minutes, if not more, uh, writing down, recording, reflecting in some way or other on what's going well on the good things in their life, uh, on the people in their life. And just to finish off, what they also do is not just uh, reflect upon those things that they're grateful for, uh, because all what that does is make uh, me feel good, but what they also do is express that gratitude to others. Uh, so they feel grateful and they tell other people uh, that mm. they're grateful uh, for whatever it might be. And that makes, uh, you know, that makes me feel good, but it also makes the other people around me feel good. So you get this uh, you know, incredibly powerful effect that can ripple out through social networks, through families, through friends, through organisations. And, um, you know, we've seen this, uh, the research supports the benefits of appreciation and gratitude in every area of life, including organisations. And we know that organisations, for example, that foster uh, an attitude of gratitude where, where managers, for example, say thank you and give positive reinforcement or offer, those those organisations tend to outperform comparable organisations on every measure. That's very nice. In fact, we spoke with Todd Coates at the latter part of last year and he's the CEO of Bridge Climb Sydney oh. and he has a gratitude hour, a celebration hour, and they sit down and you celebrate the great things that have gone on but you don't talk about yourself, you talk about everybody else. So, um, And he said it's been one of the most profound things they've done for their culture. 
Yeah, look, it's fascinating. Again, it um, it sounds so simple, and, mm. and unfortunately, because it does sound simple, a lot of people kind of discount it. But yeah. um, I've heard that story or similar stories so many times when I, um, you know, so if I go in to talk to an organisation or a team, I'll frequently talk about all of these things, and, you know, there's been whatever, five, six, ten things, you know, ten major constructs we've talked about, but it does, um, you know, it's amazing how many times people come back to me um, and highlight uh, the power that some sort of gratitude practices had on yeah. their team or, yeah. Yeah. or business. Um, um, yeah, it's just, and, and, you know, the interesting thing is it's, although positive psychology has focused on this in the last 10, 15 years, it's obviously not a new idea. I mean, every major religion, every major school of philosophical thought has some version of giving thanks. So, you know, so it's been around for thousands of mm, years, mm. but um, it's one of those things that's kind of easy to forget about. And um, I think we, we shouldn't forget about it. So, Tim, uh, we sort of talked a lot about our own personal happiness and how we can achieve that. But obviously, outside influences such as other people and you know, things that are out of our control can also have an effect on our happiness. Are there things and tools we can use there to sort of counteract that to a certain extent? Uh, yeah, and I, I actually like that little, uh, the bit you put on the end to a certain extent because what I'm about to say, I'll preface my response by saying this is very much um, uh, easier said than done, mm. um, like a lot of things in life. Um, because what we know, when we look at the happiest people, uh, they tend to be much better at not allowing those sorts of things to affect them, so not allowing mm. other people or external events. Um, um, and so that, that, I guess that's what we want to aim towards is to, mm. is to build up our immunity, so to speak, so that those external factors don't influence influence us, um, although, again, the caveat is um, to a certain extent because yeah. uh, there, are very, you know, there are very few or, and there's probably no one that can do that 100% of the time. So You'd have to be pretty um, thick-skinned. <laughs> Well, you'd almost have to be, I mean, I guess if you take it to the extreme, you know, it would be pathological in the sense that you, which is not a good thing. So, mm. uh, you know, I said earlier that, that, that the happiest people have good quality relationships. To have good quality relationships, you need to care about other people. And so it's a bit of a catch-22 in some ways. Mm. But we do need to, uh, well, well, like a lot of things, it's a balance, uh, I guess. And um, uh, so, so, yeah, there are a couple of things, uh, relatively simple strategies that we can uh, practice and, and hopefully get better at. And one is, um, or, or what I'll often, refer to in this particular context is a, a very well-known um, uh, philosophy, I guess, that a lot of you, I'm sure a lot of your listeners would be familiar with, which is usually goes by the name of the Serenity Prayer. And, mm. um, and uh, although there's kind of different versions of it, um, it goes something like, uh, you know, give me the strength to change what I can change, uh, to accept what I can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference. Oh, that's brilliant. So if there's something out there uh, that in some way or other you're not happy with, whether mm. it's a person or an event or a situation, if there's something you can do to improve that, to change it, to make it better, uh, then do it. You know, take positive action. Mm. But as I'm sure uh, we've all experienced, uh, I'm sure we all know, uh, we can't necessarily change everything or everyone. Um, we can't necessarily fix every situation or make everything better. And so to some extent, we also need to practice um, uh, this concept of acceptance. Now, that's uh, that, again, that's, that might sound a bit... Um, 
it might sound very easy, but it's clearly not. But one of the reasons a lot of people don't find it easy is because they consider acceptance to be uh, like a form of resignation or giving in, and, and none of us sort of like to give in. But it can be made a little bit easier if we reframe it as a positive coping strategy. So it, it really is facing up to reality. If the reality is uh, we cannot do anything to impact on that particular situation or we cannot do anything, you know, that person is the way they are and there's nothing I can do that will change them, then um, there's no point banging my head against the wall. There's no point trying to change the unchangeable. Uh, practicing acceptance is actually an active positive coping strategy and the benefits that can come from it are enormous. Um, but the real challenge comes in that third that I suppose, which is having the wisdom to know the difference. And uh, that's hard sometimes because most of us, uh, and I think particularly many of your listeners, were brought up and have the attitude of wanting to change stuff, wanting to make it better. Um, and in most contexts, that's a good thing. But there are some contexts where we need to actually step back and just say, hey, uh, there's really nothing I can do here. Um, I've just got to live with this. Mm. And um, if we can let go in that context in a, in a positive way, again, not, not giving in in a negative way, but if we can do that, then, um, uh, then those particular events or people won't necessarily impact us as much. You're right. It's very tough, isn't it? A lot of personal fortitude required in that lot. Yeah, and it's also about saying something like, um, for example, you know, that person's world is not necessarily my world. Uh, mm. That person's beliefs don't have to be my beliefs. If mm. they're saying those things about me, I don't have to accept those things or mm. something along that line. And, um, mm. uh, you know, that's, uh, again, a relatively simple but um, important strategy that uh, many of us could actually <laughs> utilise more often. Yeah. Tim, finish this sentence for me. Happy families do what? Uh, well, again, um, at the risk of repeating myself, um, in happy, happy families will be happy in different ways. Um, and although there are some general strategies, um, it is really, really important to, to, to qualify uh, what I'm about to say um, with, um, with that idea that you know, it's important not to necessarily just copy uh, that family or any other family because, again, we're all different and we have different beliefs and different backgrounds and different cultures or religions or whatever it might be. So, so it is important, again, to appreciate individual differences and family differences but that being said there are um to go to your question there are some i guess some common themes and we can um uh, we can we can try to implement those themes in our own way so um what what do happy families do well um uh, happy families uh, sorry i mean it depends a little bit on the age of the children but i'll, I'll speak generally for now, but happy families typically are the result of happy parents. And this is, um, uh, you know, particularly when the children are younger, I suppose. So, and, um, you know, so I've been asked um, many, many times, have my career by parents, how do I raise happy children uh, or something along those lines? And I will, uh, my, my first uh, reflex response is, well, to raise the happy children, be a happy parent, be a happy father or mother, because, uh, and the you know, the answer to that is um, parents are the most significant um, uh, role models for their children. Uh, children learn uh, most of what they know about the world, most of their behaviours and beliefs and attitudes from their parents. Now, I say most because clearly there are uh, other influencing factors, um, but there's no doubt that that's, um, you know, mothers and fathers um, are particularly the most significant uh, source and, and we know from from the research that uh, probably the most significant contributor to a happy, healthy adult is is someone that's come from a warm, nurturing, caring, loving environment. Um, now, 
that's a little bit of an oversimplification, but, but yeah, so that's the, the simple answer to your question is happy families um, have happy parents, and, and if there was one simple answer I'd give, which sounds a little bit trite, but um, and I wouldn't necessarily have expected myself saying this 10 or 15 years ago, but I can't help avoiding saying this based on all the research I've read over the last uh, many, many years, which is that the key, key feature is love. Mm. is unconditional positive love. Um, and again, that might sound a bit corny, but um, it overrides, according to the research, it's more important than discipline, although those things are not mutually exclusive. It's more important than academic achievement. It's more important than almost everything else. Um, uh, so I, I guess I'd <laughs> find ways to love as generally, gen- generously as you can, um, regardless uh, or you know, even, even facing some of the challenges that many parents and many families will face at some stage. Hey, um... Part of our theme of our show, um, and this segues from uh, you wrote a very successful, like you've written a number of successful books, but one of the books you wrote was 100 Ways to Happy Children, A Guide for Busy Parents. Um, I believe your next book is 100 Ways to Happy Rugby Teams, A Guide for Busy Rugby Coaches. (laughs) Um, Is there a... um, we have a – Robbo is the coach of the Cherrybrook uh, under-11 rugby team at Pennant Hills Oval and we, we get all of our guests to, um, to chip in with some thoughts because we're going into the rugby season. Mm. Um, specifically for um, teachers or people who are working with children – are there any other tips you would pass on from your forthcoming book, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I, I, I wasn't aware that the publishers were on for that particular title. But, uh, <laughs> um, Did you get that memo? But, uh, no, but all, all jokes aside, it's, it's actually a very interesting question because I often do use sporting metaphors, partly because I love sport, but I do actually think there's a lot we can learn from sport because uh, although – sport or rugby, whatever, you know, obviously it's not perfect by any means. There are certain things that that the best sporting teams and the best sporting athletes do extremely well. And particularly in a team environment, uh, if I come back to rugby, as you've mentioned, um, there is actually something that the best rugby or football teams do extremely well. And that's that they, uh, one, they recognise that, you know, there are different positions on the field. And so they recognise they need different people with different strengths, uh, and I'm not talking about physical strength there, but mm. if um, uh, hopefully your listeners are familiar with rugby, but clearly there are, uh, well, if I simplify, there are, uh, you know, big, strong, buffy forwards, um, and then there are faster, more nimble backs. Um, and we know that we need, you know, we, we can't necessarily have everyone exactly the same. That wouldn't make the best team. If everyone had exactly the same skills and strengths, um, uh, you know, it, it just wouldn't work the same way. And, and that's actually very true of life. We all have different strengths and different attributes and different talents and what the best parents do well is recognizing that in in their children Uh, I have two children for example and I mean any parent with more than one child will know that they can be quite different and uh, Mm. you know part of my job for example is to recognize that my daughter uh, is very different to my son that they have different strengths different talents different abilities different likes etc and what what I want to try and do is help her utilize her strengths as best she can and then help my son who has completely different ones utilize his strengths as best he can and that's something you know that's something the best coaches do when you look at the best coaches something the best uh, teachers do um, and it's clearly something the best parents do so you know that would be the message is to is to identify and recognize and appreciate uh, different strengths and abilities and talents and then help those uh, children or, or athletes uh, or footballers uh, to utilize them as best they can because um, you know this goes back to that message that 
that we can, you know, the path to happiness, so to speak, will be different for all of us. And, and part of that, that, the direction of that path will be uh, influenced by mm. our particular strengths. Very, very nice. That's great, mate. That's, um, there you go, Robbo. There's a takeaway. The, 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 the show's just paid for itself, mate. I know where I'm failing now. I've got my front row playing in the inside centres and outside centres in 5-8, so I'll go back and have a look at that next season. <laughs> Tim, we're going to let you um, get on with your day because I know you've got, uh, you've got plenty planned. I've just got a couple of final questions for you. Does, um, does Dr. Tim Sharp have a daily ritual that you go through or a morning ritual? I do. I have, well, I have several, actually, and I have a – well, it's more of a weekly ritual, I suppose. So I have a particular um, – app that I use that um, uh, on either every day or every couple of days uh, reminds me of particular things that I've determined are important for me. So there are some things mm. I do every day, some things I might every, do every second or third day, but um, but yes, I, I'm very much, uh, well, it, so it works for me. I mean, again, everyone's different, but I'm very much a, a fan of, of routine and ritual, although it does vary a bit. And so on a, on a daily basis, um, I, uh, I exercise um, and I try to do that as early as possible. Um, it's you know, sometimes because of my schedule I can't always do it but my, in my ideal world the first thing I would do every day is uh, go to the gym or go for a run and that's um, um, very very important for my health and well-being uh, on a daily basis I also practice gratitude so I keep a, a gratitude journal actually I do that twice a day I, I do it once in the morning once in the um, in the evening and uh, as I mentioned earlier that's, uh, that's very very important um, for me and um, uh, and then on, if not a daily basis, every you know, maybe second or third day, I make a point of um, uh, either, either catching up with or at least phoning uh, those people that are important in my life. Um, uh, I make a point of highlighting to my children um, what their strengths are or something that they've done well. And uh, and there's a couple of things, uh, other things as well. I suppose uh, I, I try to meditate on a regular basis, um, uh, which is uh, something we haven't touched a lot on. But that's that's another uh, very important skill yeah. for health and well-being. Um, what was the app, Tim? Is that what was the app you use? I use I just use um, uh, Wonderlist, um, which is a, a, a free app that you can. Um, uh, download and what you can actually do is schedule. So you can, um, it's basically a list making app, but you can you can set it up to have reminders uh, at different time intervals. So again, you can have it every day, you can have it twice a day, you can have it every second or third day, um, and uh, it's really just a way of me reminding myself. Um, of these things, which I often do without that, but um, but yeah, it, it works for me. Well, if uh, for anybody listening, we will put a link to Wonder List in the show notes. Just go to the mojoradioshow.com, pull down shows, you'll see Dr. Tim Sharp there, and then on those notes, we'll put the uh, we'll put the link. Um, Tim, is there anything you've eliminated from your life in recent times? Uh, it's a good question because we, I guess, we've. Um, uh, and I often talk about you know, what can people do um, to enjoy a happier life. But uh, sometimes what we also need to reflect on is well, what should we stop doing? And, um, and uh, certainly, yeah, look, I, I suppose the, um, uh, for me, and, and in fact for many people, um, one, of the, one of the things that I certainly have tried to stop, but I, I still need to keep working at this, uh, is to stop worrying so much about what other people think of me. Mm. And um, again, it might sound a bit cliched, but it is actually, uh, well, the flip side, worrying about what other people think is, can be a killer of happiness. It can just detract so much from our, um, you know, how we feel about ourselves because the reality is, um, and particularly being in the public eye quite a bit, um, doing media work and stuff, 
the reality is uh, I'm not going to please all the people all the time. There's always going to be someone that doesn't like a tweet or a blog post or whatever it might be. Um, and sometimes it's easy for me, and I'm sure many of your listeners would be in a similar situation, sometimes it's easy for me to forget about the, um, you know, the 99 people that love what I do and just start focus on the one person that doesn't love it. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, that's, that's not very helpful. So, so for me, I've, uh, I do work at and I continue to try to, to, to worry less about um, what other people think. Well, I think it's fair to say that many, many, many people think you're doing great work, mate. Um, before we let you go, you wrote a, a really interesting blog, um, which I just love the title of. You said, Tips for a Fabulous Life. And we wanted to get you on the program early in 2015 to set up a fabulous year for our listeners um, and also for Robbo and I. But um, can you just give me a, a couple of short, sharp tips that you would take from that blog you wrote for anybody listening who wants to have a fabulous year? Yeah, well, look, uh, I suppose I go back to, um, you know, the, the cornerstone or the, the foundation of pretty much everything we do here at the Happiness Institute is based on a philosophy that I developed, um, look, almost 15 years ago now. And it's, and it's really, you know, it, it's form, it's the heart and soul of everything we do. And that's the, the idea that happiness and, and, a, and a fabulous life, um, is something that we choose. Um, and it's something you need to continue to choose every minute of every day. And that's, uh, that's a philosophy of, um, you know, again, choosing actively, consciously choosing happiness each and every day but choose is also an acronym uh, that stands for the six key uh, constructs that go towards happiness um, and we've touched upon many of them already but I'll just quickly run through it now to finish off so C stands for clarity as I said earlier it's important that we're clear about what happiness really is for us that we're uh, clear about our purpose in life um, uh, because without that it's like you know it's like a rudderless ship it's like we, we don't really know where we're going um, the H stands for healthy living as I said a bit earlier um, uh, you know, this is pretty simple, but it's also helping many of us forget um, just basics like eating well, exercising, getting good sleep. Um, uh, you know, too many people don't do that. Too many people don't get enough sleep. They don't eat well enough. Um, uh, the first O stands for optimism. It's having the right sort of attitude. Um, not necessarily positive thinking. Um, uh, it's partly about being positive, but it's also about being realistic and facing up to the cold, hard realities. But it's about doing all of that in a constructive way. Uh, again, what's going to help me uh, to live my best possible life. And then the second O uh, is about others. Um, as I said, it's not just about me, me, me. Uh, it's also about my family and my friends and my colleagues and, in fact, uh, everyone that I come into contact with. Um, those people are vitally important for my happiness and vice versa. So, um, uh, you know, so that's the second O. The, the S stands for strengths. Uh, I touched on this earlier. It's about recognizing what am I best at, where do my, uh, what are my inner positive attributes, and how can I make the most of them? Because we know that people that do make the most of their strengths tend to be happier and more successful. And then finally, the E stands for enjoying the moment. Um, uh, it's about having fun and playing and being grateful because um, you know, I think life's far too important to, uh, to take too seriously. So it's important not to forget to have a laugh and a smile every now and then, not to take ourselves too seriously um, because what would life be with that a bit of fun and play. That's fan. What a great way to finish this show, Rob. Gary, cha-ching. That's gold. <laughs> the show just paid for itself. <laughs> um, that's uh, that's just a great way to uh, to wrap up the show, Tim. I I got to thank. It's such a delight to listen to you talk about this topic. It's a topic that Rob and I are both deeply into because if mm. you're happy, you get your mojo working. Absolutely. And, um, 
that choose is just a, a, a perfect uh, perfect way to wrap up the session. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, and um, yeah, it's great to be part of Mojo Radio. Thanks, Tim. It was great. It's great, and we um, we will keep in touch. Any time when you feel as though the um, some of the people who are posting negative stuff, uh, when you're starting to doubt it, tune in to us, mate, because uh, we think you're terrific and we think you're doing absolutely terrific work, buddy. Um, keep at it because uh, we need more people like you. Uh, thanks a lot. And hopefully we'll, um, hopefully we'll get to collaborate more on other things uh, into the near future. Mm. And just quickly, yes, sir. the Happiness Institute has to be the best name of any business I've heard of in a long time. The first time I saw Gary send me an email mentioning that he wanted to talk to you and I saw the name of the business, I, it, it put a smile on my face, literally. Just, just, just seeing the name of it, I think that's brilliant. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, um, uh, yeah, we'll get a lot of positive. We've done, done a pretty good job with the branding and stuff, so... Um yeah, it's good. Something positive in life is always nice. It's a good point, Robert. How do we? Uh, how do people find you, Tim, or find the Happiness Institute? Because obviously, be people that want to follow up on this. Yeah, well, just um, so www.thehappinessinstitute.com. Um, so T H E Happiness Institute.com. And just a, uh, a final note for the corporates who are listening, who like to run or do their own training sessions their own conferences, their own meetings, or you do want a guest speaker to come in. I've worked with Tim and he is outstanding on the stage. He's great. So um, there you go. Final uh, final words. Thanks again, mate. Let's get on with your day. Thanks a lot. Keep well. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks Tim. Bye. Brilliant. Cheers. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Tim. The Mojo Radio Show. You know, when we spoke to Tim after the Lint Cafe thing just before Christmas there, um, I was really impressed with the way he spoke, but wow, that's um, that's forty minutes of gold there, isn't it? Yeah, he's um, he's very he's been at this for quite a while. He's an expert in positive psychology, and um, I don't know, I, I just like the way he he thinks about stuff. He's studied it. He's articulate. He's put it into real world practice. And it's such an important poem, everybody. That's ultimately what everybody wants. They, just want, they mm. want themselves and their friends and their workmates and their customers. Everyone just wants to be happy. Yep, absolutely. That's what we're all working towards. Speaking mm. of happiness, yes. there's a uh, there's a new restaurant in town that may bring me some. <laughs> yeah, do tell. <laughs> you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about McDonald's launching the corner. Uh-huh. Their, um, their, their sort of healthy alternative cafe. Well, yep. KFC are following suit. <laughs> really? Yeah, in Parramatta, in Sydney, they've uh, they're just about to open a store. Uh, it's still branded as KFC. They haven't changed the name, but it's uh, full of healthy alternatives. And also, <laughs> I don't know how healthy this is. But you can have a beer with your with your uh, with your chicken. How's that? Now, uh, that? That's interesting because that's three things you wouldn't normally hear in the same sentence. What Parramatta chicken and beer? No, healthy, <laughs> healthy KFC and beer. Yes, there you beer go. Beer and I KFC know. you'd hear, but with healthy. Uh, yeah, so that's well, an interesting a, um, proposition, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they've even got a salad bar. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the old Cisna salad bar? Oh, I've made <laughs> KFC I've, uh, have done their version of it. I've hit that trough from time to time when I was a kid after training. <laughs> well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. No, yeah. no, actually, let me rephrase that. I'm sure you will keep your eye on that. <laughs> well, you know, I'm only I'm not too far away from Parramatta, so maybe a sampling run might be in order one one oh. one night. Hey, Darren, do you think you could pop over and have a look for us so we can talk about it on the show? Would you mind? I might have to pop by. I'll take some photos and put them up on Facebook. And can you try the whole menu for us, please, and have a beer? <laughs> well, it doesn't look too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burgers, wraps, 
Yeah. Yeah, we get Michael Smith back on. Mm. All right. That's good. Yeah, indeed. Do it. So what about you? What do you got? Anything? No, nothing. You got nothing? Nothing. All right. Well, we're out then. We're done. See ya. Yeah. The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybirtwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.